Network, a podcast designed for women working in financial services and financial technology. I'm Cheryl Brown, Chief Engagement Officer at Females and Finance. I'm also an international speaker on social and digital marketing, too. On The F Word, you'll meet leaders in the community, as well as learn more about recruiting, training, advancing, and retaining quality female talent. Let's take a listen to today's episode. This is season one, episode two, and today we'll be speaking with some sister friends from the community. Patty Kramer is a a productivity coach for financial advisors, and Michelle Donovan is a referral and business coach for financial advisors. That was a mouthful. They're both at uh, Productivity Uncorked, as well as co-authoring the recently released book, A Woman's Way, Empowering Female Financial Advisors to Authentically Lead and Flourish in a Man's World. I have been really looking forward to talking with both of you today, so please know I'm so excited you're here. (laughs) We're excited to be here as well. Thank you, Cheryl. Wonderful. I actually want to hear about some of your books, because this is not your first book. This is not your first rodeo. (laughs) No, no, this is not my first rodeo. This is Michelle, and... uh, my first book, The 29% Solution, um, I co-authored with Dr. Ivan Meisner, who is the founder um, and past CEO of BNI, the business networking organization that is worldwide. And so I had the idea for a book. I approached it to him, and he loved the idea. Long story short, um, it became a Wall Street Journal bestseller and is now available in seven different languages. I only speak one, so I'm glad it's in English. I've actually spoke. I've actually spoken at a BNI meeting before. So those are really important uh, opportunities for professionals to get in front and and learn from other people. And I was really amazed to see how many different, you know, types of communities were involved with BNI uh, because I'd only heard about right. the financial right. services sector, right? So when I got there, I was kind of blown away. Uh, I was a, a colleague, a friend of mine from Constant Contact actually introduced me to somebody at BNI. So I have a lot of respect for the work that they do. So, yeah, they're, they're, uh, it's an incredible organization. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of other networking groups that try to emulate the BNI model and so forth. But uh, BNI is, it's just BNI and it's incredibly successful for the people who, work the system and build the relationships. I love it. They were really kind to me. I enjoyed working with them. So I first want to know personally, because I don't know the story. So if I don't, I want to make sure that the listeners know um, how the two of you know each other, you know, how you began working together, sort of take us through how that partnership formed to get to the book and to work together. Okay, great. Cool. That's a good idea. Um, This is Patty. And we, uh, I had owned a business for 14 or 15 years. I'm a certified professional organizer, so I was I was running an organizing firm for businesses at the time, and Michelle and I had crossed paths because I wrote a couple books, a book called "But I Might Need It Someday: How to Organize Your Life," and then the other one is "The Power of Simplicity." And so, in but when she had read it around the same time that Michelle had released her book, and we sort of commingled on the the speaking and book tour and everything. We just sort of knew each other through networking and even BNI, and eventually it came down to where. Michelle and I were always referring clients to each other because I would help my clients become more productive, but then they would want to get more business. And Michelle had clients where she was helping them get more business and they would get overwhelmed and they need to get organized. So we, 
we finally in 2014 said we need to just make this one business, so we did. Um, I closed my company and uh, joined Michelle's, and uh, from there on, we shortly thereafter we decided to niche into the financial um, advisor market, and that's all we we do. We specialize and we focus on financial advisors and helping them to grow their practice and be productive while they're doing it. And uh, yeah, so that's where we we've been together doing that for I guess since 2014. Yeah, since 2014, and uh, my my business had been uh, a coaching coaching practice but was also um, a I think of it as you know I did strategic networking seminars and workshops and referral seminars and workshops and the uh, the audience I was working with at the time was more of a general business owner entrepreneurial type of audience and as as my business continued to grow um, more and more financial advisors started seeking me out and wanting to know more about the referral component. My clients wanted to uh, have more of an intimate relationship from the coaching perspective, and so things started to evolve more into a coaching, a coaching practice exclusively and getting further away from uh, putting butts in the seats kind of thing. And uh, so now today, the, you know, we just, we just followed the path and uh, watched the doors open, and it really led us to the wealth management industry exclusively, um, and that's, that's where we are today. Yeah, that's my space. I have to make Patty laugh for a second. So when I saw the initial CPO, you know, designation behind your name, of course, certified <laughs> professional organizer, you know. But do you know, I actually, I was like, well, maybe I'm wrong. And I went to look it up. And I said, the very first thing that popped up was certified pool and spa operator. I was like, wow. <laughs> Sorry. Like, what does this, I'm like really intrigued when I first met you because I was thinking, maybe you're out in my pool. Maybe I'm missing something here. But I thought you would get a kick. I always am honest with people. I'm so transparent because I had such the giggle after that because I was like, duh, Cheryl, you know, don't. I couldn't believe that, but I thought so you'd get a, get a kick out of that because I never told you that before, but I, I yeah. knew I was going to mention it to you today because it made me, still makes me laugh when I see it because in my brain, I'm always like certified pool and spot operator and we know yeah. we're not. That's very funny. Could have been very, very useful funny. this year with my pool, but. Yeah, could have been your best friend. <laughs> exactly right. Especially if you live closer, it would be great. So you know, when, when your book showed up on my doorstep, I was really taken with the time that you put into telling the story of women working in this community. Um, you know, this is something that's very near and dear to me as you're part of the females in finance community that I've built over this last, you know, year. I am interested, can you tell me what made you tell this particular story? Because I always find that the women who tell the stories about working in male-dominated fields, how they came to that light or came to tell that particular story, very intriguing and telling. The, um, you know, are you referring to the story from the beginning of the book? Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, part of it began with, um, you know, we as women business owners, we're very well connected to, you know, the female audience to begin with. And with the, um, with more women advisors becoming attracted to, to us because we're female coaches and so forth, um, we we started hearing a lot more of the female advisor story as you know as we were working more in that industry and then we we became um, 
we got onto the board of directors here locally for the FPA chapter uh, in Pittsburgh, and that that started to have us uh, interested in wanting to hear from more voices around the country. So we started to have conversations with um, women advisors from around the country. We started interviewing them. Um, we went to, Patty got an opportunity to speak at the FPA up, up, uh, conference up in Boston. And we went up there and interviewed a number of people around the conference. And long story short, we gathered all that information and that started to really put together the pieces to the story, what we were hearing from women advisors from all around the country. Well, and I know that you are both active in the females and finance community on Facebook. And I'm really grateful for that because you share a lot with the other women and you interact and engage. Why do you think that the book would be impactful to the women working in financial services overall? But I also include financial technology. I've, I, in fact, I just had a conversation yesterday with Teresa Grilinski over at Investment News. And I said, you know, you just cannot have financial service profession today without financial technology. So to exclude them would just be an oversight, huge, I think, on our part. But, you know, do you think that we've come a long way um, as community leaders, as women? Uh, I don't, I, I feel like there's some mixed feelings in that space. I'm just interested in your opinion on that. That's a really good question. And I think that, um, I think that it's been talked about and and talked about and talked about and talked about and I and if you, anywhere you look, in fact, even in the FA magazine today, FA yeah. News, they're all over the place. Articles about women, and I think it's coming to a head. I think it's coming to a point where action versus words. I think there's been so much talk because people were saying this is not working. You know, we still have 12 percent or 10 percent or whatever the numbers are. For the last 12 years, we've had 16 percent women in the financial world. And technology, I imagine, is even probably even less because technology is just it's I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm, it's either equivalent to or, or less than um, the financial world. So I, I think it's time that we definitely make some moves. And, and, I, and that's what you're doing with Steamos and Finance. We've talked to so many influencers in the last month since our book was released, and it feels very much like a tidal wave is coming. So the reason that, you know, we're, we're on the females in finance because, number one, we really, truly have a passion for helping women succeed and, you know, not only be attracted to the financial world, but staying once they're attracted and get there and, and retaining them. And if you don't have that, you know, what good is all the, the getting them there to begin with? So we want to be able to help as many people in any way that we can, whether it's through book, or, you know, reading our book, which is, you know, chock full of some really good special tactics and strategies, and or, or posting with people if they feel like they want to go a lot deeper, or bringing us in as speakers. We just, we want to deliver the message because we really believe that women need the support in this industry, and if they don't get it, it's never going to change, and now is the time. You know, it's funny, part of, uh, one of the questions I get asked a lot of times when people say, you know, what's the end goal with the females in finance community? And I go back to and hold true to the very beginning, which was there's four elements to women working in financial services and financial technology, and you mentioned three of them right off the bat. Not only just recruiting, so inviting people to the table, inviting them to the conversation that this is a career profession, self-limiting, you can make it whatever you want. Um, but the, mm -hmm. recruiting, the recruiting part is important, but the three other elements that I think that get glossed over by a lot of, you know, different organizations, especially in financial services, are training the women, advancing the mm -hmm. women, and then we have to retain the women. 
So those four elements, when you put them together and you really think about it, and this, you know, collectively across, uh, you know, all financial service organizations, and I say financial services because it's such a broad term, right? Accounting, actuary, investments, insurance, wealth. There's a lot of different spatial quality within that financial services umbrella. So I think what you just talked about there is so critical, and it is. It's, It's time for action. It's not time for any more words. It's let's do. Let's, or as my friend Joe Calloway says all the time, he's an author and I don't know if you know him, but he wrote a beautiful book called Category of One. And I tell Joe all the time, he has an entire chapter that just, just go. You just go. Quit talking and do. And I think it's right. fabulous. Mm-hmm. You know what? Yeah, bigger, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to, no, finish your point. I'd love to hear it. There's so many companies, the, the bigger companies that talk and they have, the, you know, diversity and inclusion and they have this section of women, but they don't, they don't, it's all talk and, and there's really no end game in, in mind. That's what I, I see and hear a lot. And so that's where the frustration comes in. They, they, it's, it's just not getting to that end game as you're talking about. So. Oh my gosh. I literally said to a journalist who interviewed me for an article two weeks ago, I said, if I go to one more website, hear me out because you'll appreciate this. <laughs> If I go to one mm-hmm. more website where women's initiative was a box checking activity on a website. So for example, I could almost see them sitting in a home office someplace. Do we have a women's program? Oh, it's five clicks mm-hmm. deep on a website. Check uh-huh. the box. Right. It's like right up there yeah. with holiday cards. Did we send them out? And that's yeah. not, and we, and we see through that as, as female leaders. We're like, you're really not talking to me. Cause you can almost tell through the language that they're using. Cause it's, you know, it's, it's like they copied it from, what they've typically been recruiting to and speaking to, which are men. And they've taken that, they've switched out the uh, pictures so that it's a couple of women mm-hmm, sitting right. and, you know, they're always laughing. We're always happy and, and, you know, <laughs> and having skirts on. And I mean, it's right. Just, am I right? I mean, do I, am I just, yeah, I, I don't feel, right. like, I feel like I'm not sensationalizing it. I really feel like I go in there and I see that and I think, yeah, that's not me. <laughs> that's not speaking right, to yeah, me. Right. You know, so right. it's not speaking to me and I'm a, you know, I'm not even actually a financial advisor, right? I, I work in a creative capacity within financial services. If you're not talking to me, you're definitely not talking to the group of, you know, the tribe of people that you're trying to reach. So I, I appreciate the fact that you were so honest there because I feel like a lot of these are, they're just, they're just words, right? We do it. Yeah. Move on to the next yeah. thing. So, and that, you know, and that really actually leads me to, you know, what do you find to be the real challenges, you know, women that are facing from the past? And even what do you predict will still be the challenge for us in the future as this community of professionals, as you look at what you've written and talked about, you know, I, I think I can tell you for me in the past, one of the things that I was very lucky about is I had a male ally pretty early on, but um, mm-hmm. I still succumbed to the traditional female role. Like I remember working in a financial service organization one time that, I mean, this sounds really petty, but they wanted us to wear stockings, like, like hose, uh-huh. hosiery. Yeah. I am not going to wear that. And I just thought this is crazy, you know? So I felt like such a rebel, uh-huh. you know, the early nineties, like I'm not wearing that. Absolutely not. But that mm-hmm. seems so petty back then, but it truly wasn't because that was just like one of a, a, a ton of little things that we had to, to look at. And now today, yes, that is petty because nobody would even think that that was an issue back in the day. But going forward, the challenges, there are still so many um, things that we're facing as women 
that are still from that 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s and on mentality. That, that, does that make sense what I'm trying to say? That we're trying to. Oh, open yeah. Up. Right. So, you know, right. What, do you, what do you, maybe what do you predict are some of the things that we need to be doing as women in financial services to really um, succeed better? Yeah, well, I think I think a lot of it has to do with uh, supporting each other along the way, you know, because one of the things that I, I see very clearly is from not only from the recruiting, but also from the retention perspective, is that women on the outside, if they're if they're looking in and not necessarily seeing themselves, you know, not seeing themselves as successful as they view they either want to be or that they could be, then they're going to walk away. They're going to walk away. They're not going to necessarily take the risk. And so from the recruitment side and the retention side, the more successful women that we can be participating in generating uh, along the way and then have those women be, be there to be mentors <clears throat> and to be sponsors for other women coming into the industry, that's going to begin to create a whole new community of women supporting each other. And so it's all connected along the way. Cheryl, I'm going to add, add one thing in there, is everything Michelle said is absolutely true, but what we need to do is there are, there are plenty, not as many as we hope, but there are men out there in the industry who really do support women. We are not men bashers. You know, we, we really know that it's a man's world, but it's, that's why it's successful because men do it a man's way and we want women to do it a woman's way. So we're not, you know, men need to be brought to this table as well. Even if you bring on the people who, you know, the initial, there's, there's many men out there who are in the old boys club. We know that. And that's very real. It exists. You can deny it all day long, but it's still there. And, but we need to bring those men who are a little more, yeah, they're the champions of the women, right? And bring them to the table. This is not a us versus them. This is an us. And we need to have everybody talking about this, at least who's willing to be at that table. And then the conversation becomes more inclusive. And then the people who are not in, you know, totally attracted to it, they then will say, hey, maybe I need to look into this because things are starting to sway. And that's part of the movement, bring everybody on board. I think what you just said there is so near and dear to me because early on when I went into this females and finance community and creating a space for women to come and work together and learn more about how we collectively can do something to change what has been a very slow moving dinosaur-esque type of environment, right? And so yeah. one of the things that uh, I was challenged on very early was, you know, you don't like men. And I said, you know what, right, right. I'm going to be very honest with you because I was, I'm very sensitive personally to that topic. I think male, male allies are so important to every, every woman in financial services. Uh, I would not be where I am today without male allies. I, I, I'm right. very, you know, open with that. I think what ended up causing me to be so focused in the female space was as a professional speaker, I stand on stage, my vantage point is different, right? I get to look out and see. And I remember, you know, that several, that lots of them are always lots of guys, right? We, you look out and it's a sea of men, you know, I, I get it. But I remember in particular, there was one very large conference, 300 plus people, four women. I remember vividly, yeah. I remember counting them with my eyes and I thought, 
that's just mm-hmm. not indicative of the people like you I know or the other women out there that I know that do amazing work in financial services. So where are they and why are they not here? How do they not qualify? Male allies, though, one of the things I tell everyone when they talk about females and finances, I don't know of a single woman in our group. We have almost, what, 1,500 women in just three months. And I haven't mm-hmm. seen anyone say anything negative about men because they're not there to do that. Um, my project was never about bashing men or saying that they don't good, do a good job. Here's your attaboy. We just want an add a girl as well. And uh-huh. if anything, I'm trying to gender neutralize financial services. And as I described it recently, it's when someone thinks of the word financial services, I don't want their mind to automatically go to male, stale, and pale. I want them right. to think and in their mind create whoever that financial service person is that's right for them. They get to actually envision whoever they want in their brain. And that's what the bigger project has been is allowing a, a stronger voice for females as subject matter experts, much like yourselves from a coaching capacity and what that looks like. So I'm curious to your point, you know, what about the men? How do they feel about your book? Have you had, you know, what has been maybe some of the feedback or how do you feel about um, the work that you're doing to commingle more women with uh, male dominated practices, et cetera. So maybe you can talk a little bit to that point. Well, there's a couple of different things. I mean, we've, we've already been hearing a lot of feedback um, from people who have women who have read the book, who have said, you know, this, this information is equally as important and significant for men to read as well. And so uh, we also know that there's uh, been quite a few men out there who have bought the book and those male champions who are, you know, who are um, promoting for us to come in and speak in different situations and buying, making sure that the book is in the hands of all the participants and so forth. And so, you know, being that the, that the industry is male dominated, it stands to reason that in order for anything to change and anything to, to move forward from the diversity perspective, you're going to have to have male champions along the way and find find the ones who are significant. We, with our coaching practice, we coach roughly just as many men as we do with women and that, you know, that uh, percentage you know, ebbs and flows depending on the year kind of thing. Um, but we're, we're very specific with who we coach because we look for men who have a lot of the, you know, think of it as a lot of the female qualities that are, you know, very, um, very relationship focused, very authentic to themselves, very family centered. And those men are out there. And those are the men who resonate with the struggles of women and who are, Uh, who are and who become the champions of women. You know, when I first started going into the females in finance space, I had a friend of mine, Jason Loveless. He is a financial advisor that lives in Dallas, Texas. And he was one of my very first, um, along with, uh, you know, Eric uh, Eric Brotman up in um, Maryland area. They were the first two men that I reached out to because they've always been significant male allies in my life you know, personally, professionally, I've worked with both of them. And so they were, I mean, I just, they were so giving, like the first thing, like love what you're doing. Here's my staff. I want them to be a part of how we can we help you, you know, build 
you know, an understanding around this and make sure that whatever you need, we're here to support you. And I think to your point, what you just said there, that is really going to be a significant key to the success of this is, um, you know, just making certain that we get the feedback from the men and we know how to discern who is a male ally and who has masked himself as one because we do mm -hmm. see those yeah. out there. We know what we're talking about. And so right. what do you think is one tried or in true kind of way for women to sort of harmonize their practices today around your book and your coaching? In to harmonize. Yeah, so meaning that, meaning that, for example, you know, when we talk about male, I hope one day that we can talk about financial services as it not being a male-dominated field. We know that it is, right. Right? right? And so one day I want your book to be revised and it just say a woman's way. <laughs> Right. And not about right. empowering right. for the male dominated because it's like, yes, because that will be a, a exactly. good, right. And so, to that point, what do you think that women, what's one thing that they could take away from this call today that they could today commingle or work better or build practices alongside men in a way that, you know, isn't, um, you know, yeah, competitive because we're in a competitive environment, mm -hmm. but that our offering isn't like, oh, well, she's a girl. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. Right. I think the, the biggest thing is leading with authenticity. Women need to have the confidence to know that they have what it takes to succeed. I mean, they have in spades what it takes to succeed in the financial world. They, you know, they've got the expertise, they got the, uh, well, they hopefully have the expertise, but then they also, um, they have the relationship skills. They have a deep understanding of how to read people. They have intuition. And there are men that have those, but women seem to have them um, naturally all the time. They have a deep understanding. Um, I can give you a little, a, a little story of a woman that was up on a stage for a conference that I was speaking at. And she, they were talking about the, the things that women and men face in the industry. And she said, this is an example of how women are different. She said that her partner is a man. And they had a couple, a husband and wife, came in to sit down and um, just have the man, of course, the, the man advisor had all the numbers ready to go. And he started talking about what their you know, portfolio looked like. And the woman up on the stage said she stopped him and said, you know, hold on just a second. And she looked at the couple and said, is everything okay? And they weren't okay. They, they started crying because there were some issues that was going on with their family, uh, one of their children. And she had the guy put the numbers away and, and just really went into a completely different area. And the man never even noticed. And I'm not saying that that's a, it, it can be common, but you know, yeah. it's just that kind of difference where you read body language. So I think that women just have to understand that being a woman is okay. Yeah. You don't have to be a man. Right. Right, and there's a there's a certain level of um, you know relationship building that women are are able to do that's a little bit more advanced than men in how how deep they take their relationships. And the the problem is that we see oftentimes is that from the from the female perspective, they kind of leave it leave the relationships out there at this very high level, and they don't necessarily um, leverage the relationships. To, to, the, to the maximum amount that they can in order to grow their business even further, their practice even further. And so 
one of the things that women who are listening to this can, can certainly pay attention to is trust the relationships that you've developed. Trust that they are willing and not, not only just willing but able and very happy to help you in any way that you particularly want them to help you. And trust that those relationships will not go away. They will be there for you, they will back you, and they will be more than happy to support you in any way that they can. And the more women that um, can look at those relationships that they've worked so hard to develop and trust that those relationships are going to be there, um, they, can, they can learn from people like us, you know, in terms of how do, you, how do you move that forward? How do you move that relationship? How do you have those conversations um, in order to have those relationships actually be fruitful and in addition for your business? You know, it's funny, um, one of the things you just said there really hit me in my heart because I was a medical underwriter for a lot of years for a life insurance company, and I remember mm -hmm. somebody made a comment one time that I specialized in crotchety people, <laughs> and I used to think, nobody wants those people, but I would always end up with the one with so-and-so's not happy, you'll call him, right? You know, and it's like, sure, and I remember I had to call this one financial advisor. I was in San Francisco and he was crotchety. That would be a polite term for him. And I sat there and I listened to him. And when he got all done, I asked him, I said, you sound frustrated and I'm empathizing with your frustration. Can you tell me, you know, because I needed some additional information to finish his life insurance application and prove it. And he finally admitted his assistant had gone on a vacation he had no idea where anything in the office, I mean, literally eat, breathe, lived by this person and she's gone from his life. And I sat there and I listened and he said, I'm supposed to leave on Saturday. We're going on a trip. This is a true story. We're going on a trip and I, my wife has left me in charge of making sure that we have like a, a rental car and all this. He goes, and I'm looking through files and I don't know where any of this is. And I said, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. Okay, and you don't tell anybody I did this. I said, you get me what I need so we can finish your application so you can go on your trip. I'm going to call our travel coordinator, our company, find out how to get you that rental car set up and do all of that for you. Will that help you be less stressed? And he just sat there and he goes, yes, that's all I want because I can't find anything in this office. And so he wasn't saying, feeling defeated that because he was a guy and he had this just happened to have an assistant who was a woman it was just he had somebody in the office who ran everything and he didn't know where anything was right. but i intuitively right. listened to the frustration wasn't me he wasn't aggravated with me and so a lot of times when i hear people aggravated i hear a lot of women a lot of times stop and kind of listen to what the underlying message is because that's the intuitiveness that you're talking about about the relationship building right it had nothing right. to do with what anybody was talking about, it had something to do completely separate over here. And just taking a moment, instead of going into your spiel or going into your thing and your rhythm, to stop and say, I hear you, what's going on? You know? Yeah. That, I think, is the moneymaker in relationship building. And I realize overgeneralizing, and we say women do this well, maybe there are, I'm sure there's women who don't. But for the most part, if you think about it, in practices, oftentimes the feedback is, you know, she heard me. She heard what I needed. I see that yeah, a lot. Right. right. Yeah. You know, even is. on the Yelp reviews, when I go and look at a financial service practice, you know, she's listen. She listens to you. She she gets right. to the bottom line. So I think that that's really great that you 
you know, shared that as a, as a reminder about being authentic. So we, mm -hmm. get, we get kind of deep, and so we're going to go to some fun stuff, because I'm all about fun, as we know. <laughs> Now that we know that now that we know that Patty's a certified pool and spa operator, right? So <laughs> forever and ever, Patty, just so you know, it's the first thing that comes up when we talk, we think about that. And so you guys know that I'm a huge coffee addict. I've posted about coffee every day for five plus years now on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, I'm really uh -huh. curious. Do you guys have a poison for the morning? Are you coffee people? Are you tea people? Are you... Are you one of those really healthy people that do like these crushed kale things? Because I'm going to tell you, kale, kale, kale should not be a drink. I do not want to hear one person call me and say, oh, it's so good for you. I'm like, yeah. Whatever. The healthiest we get in the morning is a, a, about 20 some ounces of water before coffee. That's right. Yeah, we drink. Yeah, we, we have a, uh, yeah, it is about 20 ounces of water has to, uh, Enter the body before coffee, but also I only drink I only drink decaf coffee because uh, caffeine just puts me over the edge. So decaf it is. So you know what I, I I had to cut back. So years ago I used to do uh, crazy amounts of coffee, and I go into so my physician's also my neighbor. <laughs> I go in and I tell oh, you, Justin, uh -huh. I'm like I'm like man, I'm feeling just really jittery, and he's like. Yeah, so how many cups of coffee? Because you drink quite a bit of coffee. <laughs> and I found out, I was like, you mean six cups of coffee? You just can't have it? He's like, yeah, let's cut that way back. So now <laughs> I am limited. Because I'm like this when I wake up at 4, 35 o'clock in the morning. I mean, I really don't want to add coffee. It's already uh -huh. to the crazy, right? Yeah. But I do still drink that one delicious cup of coffee. And I will tell you today, so I bought one of those um, – I have one of those big packs of like the multi-packs of like 400 different types of coffee in it or whatever it is. I put one in, you know, in the Keurig and come out and I, uh -huh. drink. I didn't like it. And I went over and I threw it in the trash and, and oh, Daryl, wow. Daryl says to me, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, I'm making a new one because I've decided I'm old and bad coffee should never enter my body. So <laughs> three, three K cups later, I was like, this one's delicious. And then I was off and running, you know, but he just sat there and laughed at me because I was like, oh, no, no, no. But I do like my coffee. So I probably, Dr. Oz would very much appreciate the fact that you talked about your 20 ounces of water. I need to do that more often. Yes, you see, everybody needs to drink more water, and uh, we we started this we started this several years ago, and uh, it works. Yep, it works. Your body wakes up thirsty, and it does it doesn't want anything but water. All right. Well, you or didn't say coffee. you didn't say kale, so I was going to no, go, go Jim Gaffigan on you if you started the kale. I'm like, <laughs> oh, we're not doing the kale proposition. <laughs> I'm not eating that. We're Jim Gaffigan fans, so. We are Jim Gaffigan fans. Yeah, and I, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. He's like, no. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. This mm -hmm. kale propaganda, you know, no. <laughs> so how do listeners get in touch with you? What is the best way to contact either of you, both of you, and find your resources? The, the best way is to go to productivityuncorked.com. It's our website, and it, everything's there. In fact, if you want to get a preview of our new book, you can – uh, go in there and put your name and email, and, I, and I'll send you over a copy of the first 30-some pages just to get you um, into seeing what it's about. You can also go to Amazon and, and just look up a Woman's Way book, and it should come up. And uh, it's the one with the red and 
white boats on the front. In fact, that's the, the front you were talking about, men in the audience. That's the cover of our book has a red boat, which signifies a woman in a sea of sameness. Sea of all the men. <laughs> the rest of the boats are men. And so you know, that's part of the work. I love that. And the fact that you use the red, I have to give a shout out to my friend Sonia Dreisler because she spoke at a conference and she wore this just sharp red, you know, suit up there on stage. Yeah. She stood out, let me tell you. And yes. so your book was just so apropos to what she did at a conference because it was all men and she had this. Uh, yeah, it was perfect. Uh -huh. I thought the yep. book is, you know, I thought the book was fantastic and I write a Friday reads column and do, we'll do a review on it on my bionic social site. Uh, I get a lot of people. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I get a lot of people who are always interested in, uh, you know, speakers and what books I'm reading, et cetera. So I do list those out there. And I also want to really thank both of you for always being so inclusive um, outreaching to so many with your words and your talent. You both have such an amazing story of presence. And I, you know, I just want to keep watching your successes along the way. So I appreciate you letting me come along the journey with you. Thank you. Same here. Thank Same you. here. We've, it's been a pleasure getting to know you and being certainly being a part of Females in Finance. So we look forward to being around for quite some time. Yeah. Not everybody can say we've been on the F word. <laughs> well, so I will, and to that point, thank you for listening and participating today in, uh, in the episode of the F word. You can learn more about today's guests and the topics we covered in the show notes. And if you love today's podcast, which I know you will, please be sure to subscribe. Don't keep it a secret. Share it. And if you could tag hashtag females and finance in your post, we would love to engage with you in that space. And remember the F word. It's where females and finance are not dirty words. Thank you. Mm -hmm.